name is Plametti, and I'm one of the teachers here on the CTO podcast. Now, before we start today's very, very special episode, I had one major announcement that I wanted to make um, for our listeners and our viewers, and specifically viewers of my show on the Collective Transcendence um, Organization podcast. And that announcement is that my show, which is called Participating in Matter, will now be rebranded and with a new name, which will be Practicality in Spirituality. The reason why I chose this name is because I think that it fits a lot more into the essence of what this show um, will be, and also into the essence of a lot of my teachings and the way that uh, I observe the world. I believe that spirituality is practical. Like, it is very practical because spirit was here before matter was here. It was ether and then physical. And so, for me, I believe in the practicality and spirituality. It doesn't mean that there, that it's the first thing that I look for. But for me, I believe that true spirituality must have the correlation of as above, as below. Meaning that if I can find the higher spiritual truths of this, I should also be able to see a mirror-like reflection of that higher truth within the physical realm. So the show now will be called Practicality in Spirituality because I believe that spirituality should have a sense of practicality, especially nowadays more than ever when all of these new age uh, religions and cults are coming out. We do need a sense of practicality within our belief systems and, and um, spiritualities. So now that I've made my little announcement, <laughs> we can get into the topic of today's um, amazing title. So I'm, I'm quite excited to talk about this. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm just going to get into it. So today's episode is called Chop Wood, Carry Water. Now, for those who listened to me last month on the, on the podcast, they know that I talked about this book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. And I recommended it to quite a lot of people that they should read this book. Now, today I'm going to speak uh, on a small portion of what this book entails. And what this book really entails is learning the process of life. That's what this is really all about. It's about learning the process of life and learning to enjoy the processes of life. See, I think oftentimes we look and are focused, especially as human beings, um, both in the West and in the east, but especially in the west, um, we are seen as very outcome based. We're very much focused on the outcome, um, and we, because of us trying to control the outcomes all the time, we try to control. <laughs> and um, it's very funny because as I'm reading this book, as I'm learning more knowledge, um, and as I'm going through life myself. I'm starting to realize a lot of beautiful mysteries and uh, a lot of beautiful things that are making me reshape the way that um, I was taught and educated in school and at home. Um, one of the things that I will talk about is, just really quickly, um, is capitalism. 
uh, I'm going to be doing an episode on socialism um, for for the readers, uh, <laughs> for the listeners, sorry, um, probably um, on my next episode. So stay tuned for that one. And um, the reason why I bring capitalism up is because capitalism is very profit over people mentality. Um, financial incentives are made for people um, not to benefit as much as corporations do. Corporations get a much bigger um, pool of control and opportunity and resources than the people who gave those said opportunity and resources. So why does this matter? Well, it matters because capitalism hasn't just changed the way that money comes in and out of your pocket. Capitalism has also changed your behavior and your mentality, especially nowadays in the generation that we live. Everything nowadays is a hustle culture mindset. Everything is hustle, 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 grind, 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 grind. And we are all grinding to get to the top. And I've noticed this, especially for my generation as a 25-year-old, I've noticed that my generation, people who are millennials, like we are some of the most impatient people of all time. And I kind of get it. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening in the world. And then at the same time, we also see a lot of our friends and people who are our age making a lot of money. So it makes you want to rush your dreams. You're like, oh my God, I should get there. Man, Justin Bieber was 17 when he made it. Billie Eilish was 19. Chief Keef was 16. You start thinking about all these numbers and all these YouTubers that are 22 and millionaires. You feel like you're behind in life. You feel like you're starting from a negative instead of starting from neutral. So Chop Wood Carry Water, this beautiful, beautiful book talks about learning to trust in the process. Now, this was something that was kind of hard for me. I'm not even going to lie to you people. This was, <laughs> this was rather hard for me. And the reason why it was hard for me is because I wasn't really um, born <laughs> um, and nurtured to believe in faith. Faith wasn't really something that like was much encouraged in my family religion was talked a lot about and that's great but religion <laughs> never like when you actually needed to use faith the way that our said religion you know if you didn't use religion in a spiritual context my my family didn't really want to hear it so it took me a lot it gave me a very bad relationship with faith with trusting in the process which I didn't realize what that, 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 that's what faith is. It's trusting in spirit, God, whatever, but more, more, more practically, it's trusting in life that things will work out the way that they need to work out for your higher benefit. Um, this is huge topic of philosophy and all of this stuff. But, um, the reason why I'm saying all of this is because faith is very important to learn in, in learning how to trust the process. Because when you look at life, there will be many moments in your life that are uncontrollable, that are un that are that, that are variables, that are just like there's not much you can do about that set thing. And that is moments in your life where you're going to need faith. That's moments in your life where you're going to need to believe and trust that despite having no logical reasoning as to why things 
are going to work in your favor or why things are going to work the way they need to be worked, not necessarily always in your favor because that's you trying to control the outcome, but just that things are going to work out in general, it takes faith. It's, it's hard. So my journey started out me not, not understanding what faith is. I didn't get it. I didn't understand what it was about. I didn't, I, I didn't get, I just thought that faith was like some wishy-washy hope stuff. And as a black man, especially as a Congolese, oh, I'm tired of hope. That's, we, our ancestors got fed that hope stuff their whole lives. So I have a natural, um, just kind of like, I had a natural uncomfortability with concepts like hope and faith and things that are not within my realm of control. And it took me years, years to even be able to have a conscious like reaction of, oh, I'm a control freak. Like I need to control everything around me so I can feel safe. And even if it's not everything, I need to control like 80 to 70% so I can feel safe. And it's like, wait a minute, why do you do that? And then it's like, oh, because of this, this, this. But when you really break it down, one of the biggest reasons is really two things. One is capitalism. And second, most importantly, is lack of faith. I had a lack of faith both in myself, in the world, in many things. And when you have a lack of faith, you cannot trust the process. Now, this is a really funny thing that I've learned um, in life. When you get into our car crush, did you know that drunk people are people who are most likely to survive a car crash? Uh, yeah, the reason why these people are actually um, these people are most likely uh, drunk people are most likely to make it out of our car crash alive, no matter how crazy the car crash is, <laughs> is because drunk people are loose. You know, they're drunk. Their their the muscles and their bodies are loose. They're not tensing up. Because they're drunk. So when the impact happens, they don't tense up. They don't resist the flow. They don't, they don't make themselves hard. So that way, they're nimble. So when they fly through the car, it's just like... Versus somebody who's like bracing for impact. Like, oh my God, oh my God. That person breaks all their bones. Why? Because you've hardened yourself. Um, a, great, um, a great quote that many... I believe it was Lao Tzu, but many na naturists always use this quote and spiritual people as well. You want to be like a tree. You want to learn how to bend, not break. Because if you make yourself hard and hard and, and you learn how to resist the flow of life, you've made yourself hard. And there's benefits to that to a certain extent. But guess what? All things that are hard eventually have a breaking point. And this happens in society all the time. We see it. We you listen to the music. Listen, look at the culture. You see it. Everybody's having their breaking point because you can only be so hard for so long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying you can you can only be so God body for so long. Eventually, you will break because all things that are hard eventually break and corrode. But the things that are flexible, that are bendable, that are versatile. Those things have a much greater chance of survival when something does um, impact them. 
because they're flexible, they're bendable, they're versatile. So I would say the same thing with yourself in life. When you're going through the process of life, we think that being hard and controlling the outcome makes us safe. Because again, the thing with us as human beings is, and this is something I really wish more people understand is, your general outlook on humanity is going to be how you view um, human interaction. So for example, if your general conception of humanity is that we're all dumb and stupid and we're killing ourselves and it's just we're just dumb and why the heck did God make us? We're so useless. Like we just make dumb mistakes all the time. People are so fucking annoying, blah, blah, blah. If that's just your idea of humanity, then anytime somebody comes in and shows you a redeeming element of humanity, it's not going to click for you because it's like, yeah, okay, that one person did that, but the rest of us is fuck niggas. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that energy, <laughs> um, your outlook really changes the way you look at things. So in your thought process, when you're learning to trust in the process, you're learning to trust in something outside of yourself, but also learning to trust something within yourself because Spirit is always working within the material world. Like I said, it's practicality in spirituality. Like spirit is very much still a part of this faith process. Faith spirit has already figured this out. God, life, whatever you want to call it, has already figured this whole thing out. You're just the one that's clueless and you're clueless because you chose to be clueless. That's kind of why this game works. If you knew everything, it'd be boring. <laughs> like there would be no surprises like, oh, my God, this person died. Yeah, I knew that like three years ago. Like there's, there's no, there's no, there's no catalyst for change. There's no ability for you to grow, um, from your pain, your anguish, your love, your joys, because you know, everything, there is no surprise and you'd be surprised how much of life is, um, about surprises and changes and adaptability. So to bring it to the process, it's exactly that a lot of times we brace for impact. And again, we're bracing for impact because we are animals. I do, it's not because people are evil and whatever. No, we are trying to control the outcomes because we are animals. We are trying to survive. We're trying to survive. So when you're trying to survive, especially in a capitalistic society, you're trying to survive nine times out of 10 for financial means. So if you're trying to survive, right? then look at the way that you're going to look at the world. You're going to have certain outcomes that you're expecting. And why? Because you need those outcomes so you can make it to the next day. So that has forced you from a little kid all the way until you've grown up now, because your parents would have instilled that capitalistic mindset into you, um, that you need to be, <laughs> you need to be somebody who controls the variables. Um, this happens a lot to people who are in, in management life positions, um, especially like, and you can see this with little kids, like, like the little kid who's always like, come on guys, let's play tag or let's do like the kid who just always ends up being like the little leader in the group. That kid is slowly and surely in a small way, um, has, um, controlling like tendencies again, being controlling, is not good. <laughs> I don't want to make people think that like it's good at all. It's not, but it, it it's not all bad either. There's almost nothing very 
small amount of things in, on this planet that's all good and all bad. <laughs> so being controlling um, the, the, the child who's the leader, is like he's be the, the controlling one because he's trying to control an outcome. You know, he, he's not just like, oh, man, I'm going to kick it with my friends. And if we happen to play tag, that's cool. If we play freeze tag, that's cool. If we don't play tag at all and we just go to the park, that's cool. That's somebody who surrendered to the outcome. But if you're like, no, 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 we need to play tag. We need to play freeze tag. We need to be able to go to the movies like we need to. We have to. We have to. That's when you haven't surrendered to the outcome. That's when you're fixated on the outcome. Now, why is that bad? It's bad because when you're fixated on the outcome, you're not able to play present. You're not able to stay within the present moment and look at things from a rational, confident, clear point of view. Because the minute that you're focused on the outcome, guess what? Boom, just like that, you're in the future. You're no longer thinking from the present. You're not reacting from the present, knowing that I have the ability to change the future, how I see fit based on me and my read. That's what the present offers you. The future doesn't offer you that. The present offers you that. But in your moment of anxiety, worry, um, just in your moment of going through life, you get caught up. You get caught up in the system. You're like, oh, man, man oh, I got to make sure I get this outcome. Right? I got this outcome. Right? And you become outcome driven. And because you become outcome driven, you lose the process and you lose the gratefulness for even being able to start the process. A great thing that I always like to tell people is when you go see a movie, you don't go for the ending of the movie. You go for the movie. The ending of the movie doesn't even make sense if you haven't watched the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's the same thing with dancing. When you dance, you don't dance to get to a certain spot in the room. You dance for the sake of dancing. Same thing with food. You don't eat food just so I can be like, okay, I finished my food the fastest. <laughs> no, you eat food to sustain yourself and to also be able to enjoy the riches that life can afford us. So that's what it is with life is we need as a, as a collective, as a humanity to start learning to trust more in the process. And like I said, I put those both things of capitalism and faith as, as, as the reasoning as to for what this is. So meaning that I understand that this isn't easy. I will never be one of these teachers who will come to you and go, Oh yeah, this is what you need to do. You need to do. And then like, just go ahead and do it. No, I'm going to let you know beforehand. Hey, this is going to be a bit of a pickle. It's not impossible. It's not like super rare or whatever. It's not. <laughs> There's plenty of people who trust in the process. There's plenty of people who have faith. It's not that hard. Um, but it, it, it's not that impossible. I'm sorry, but it, it can be hard, especially if you are somebody who is used to, um, being outcome driven, having a deadline, being able to, um, having, you know, responsibility to, 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 to shoulder upon yourself. If you're used to being like that, control is going to be a little tough for you <laughs> giving up control and learning to trust in, in the process of life. That's going to be a little hard for you, but I promise you, I promise you, my friend, this will be the most, this will be, this will be the, one of the greatest things that you've ever done in your life. Excuse me, because when you realize that you are not alone, that you are not by yourself, that in fact, that 
life is not against you and it is not battling you, but it is instead preparing you for everything that you wish and more. You would look at the world very differently. You would look at your situations very differently. Um, I'll give one last example on this. And then I, I love this so much. In the book, Chop Wood, Carry Water, there's a great, great story that this man tells um, his, his students. The teacher's name is Akira. And um, the student's name is John. He's a Westerner. He comes from America. And he comes all the way to China to learn how to become a great archer. And being a Westerner, he can be quite impatient. And again, it's not because he's born in the West. It's because the West are the creators of capitalism. And capitalism isn't very good at <laughs> with the whole trust the process. Again, their profit over people type of mindset. Profit is always going to matter more than people. This is why, even though we have all the resources in the world, in the West, to be able to feed the homeless and stuff like that, we don't do it. Why? Because there's no financial incentive in feeding the poor. There's no profit in feeding the needy. So, Mr. John makes his way to China and meets his teacher, Akira. And Akira tells him a great story. He says, John, I'd like to tell you a story. And he says, what is the story? He's like, here's how it goes. There's a man, and he's an architect. And this architect has been building homes since he was like 15 years old. Young man. And he's been working in the industry for a long time. I'm talking, he gave like 40 years of his life to this one company. And this architect is one of the greatest architects in all of Japan. He is renowned all over China and Japan for his amazing ability. I'm sorry, China and Japan. <laughs> um, all over Asia for his amazing um, architectural craft. And he's so passionate and he's, he's detailing. All of this was possible because of how dedicated to the process the architect was. Very dedicated to the process. And that's what made his houses appraised for so high and all the praise that artists and financial sector people would give him is because of his dedication to the process. He loved the craftsmanship of being able to build a house from scratch. Now, there came a time when eventually this architect, this brilliant prodigy, would become an old man. And he decided that it was time for him to retire. So he goes to his boss and he goes, boss, thank you so much for 40 years of working. I worked so long for you guys. Will you please let me go as it is Japanese custom to go to your boss and get your blessing before you leave? And he goes to his boss and boss, may I get your blessing so I can leave? And the boss says, you know what? My friend, you've been such a great, great architect for us. You've helped grow this company to levels that I even couldn't have fathomed of. You are world renowned. Like you are, you're one of the greatest. Thank you so much for all your service. My friend, I only have one, one more house for you to do. Now the architect was quite mad. He was very vexed on the inside. He's like, bro, you want me to make one more house? Like why? Like I already look at, I gave you 40 years of amazing houses and sculptures. You want me to make one more for you? Are you serious? Do you know how long it takes to make a house? Like, come on, bro. But 
he said on the outside, he just said to his boss, okay, for sure, boss, one more house, one last house. And then after this, I'm out of here. Boss said, no problem. Now, because the architect, when he was making this house, wasn't making it out of the love of the process. He was making it to get it done for the outcome. Hey, once I'm done this, I get to leave, go on vacation with my wife, enjoy my grandkids. He's looking beyond. He's not looking at the present. And because he's not looking at the present, he wasn't focused on it. He wasn't passionate. And henceforth, the house, although completed maybe six months to a year later, was not one of his finest work at all. In fact, it was one of his worst pieces of work because he really couldn't care less too much about it. And he just wanted to get the job done and over with so he could go about his day. So eventually, six months to a year later, he finishes and he goes back to his boss again and he goes, boss, I have finished the house that you have recommended me. May please get your blessing. And the boss says, you have more than my blessing. In fact, I have a gift for you. And he says, oh, wow. And his boss gives him a black cardboard marble box. And he gives it to him with a red ribbon on the top. And the architect opens it and sees what it is. And he sees that it's house keys. And his boss is like, surprise. Man, you've been working with us for 40 years. Thank you so much for working with us for 40 years. We and everyone at the company thought that you deserved this house. So this house that you actually built the past six months to a year was your house. And it's completely free. It's all on us. Thank you so much. And the architect was immediately distraught. He was immediately like upset and emotional because he realized like, Oh my God, because I rushed the process, I, I made a shit house. It's not a good house. It's not a really good living. It's just something I made really quickly so I could get over this. I didn't think I was going to live there. And that is a wonderful story um, that I always keep in mind to explain to people that the process is a lot more useful to you than the outcome. If you become outcome focused, then you lose on the present. You are building your own house at the end of the day. It's the same way that the architect was building his own house without knowing. Some of you guys might consciously be building your house and a lot of you guys are subconsciously building your house. But at the end of the day, we are all building our own homes and houses. And you have to ask yourself, am I just going along for the ride? Like, am I just outcome driven? Just like, okay, I'm building this house because I really want to get to do this next. I really want to start this job so I can do this. Oh, I get in a relationship with her so I can get this. If you're, are you more outcome driven or are you in love with the process? Have you become a craftsman or a craftswoman, somebody who is in the moment? Like that is what really matters. And this is a question that I would ask you and remind you over and over again is, are you one who is in the process? Are you one who is learning to enjoy your process? Because my friend, wherever you are in the world, 
you are building your house, you are building your home. And the process and the time and the labor that you go into building your home will be the, the outcome at the end. So trust me, my friend, it's much better, much better to chop wood and carry water, which is to have a consistent process than it is to be outcome driven and rush your way to the top of the mountain only to realize that you climbed the wrong mountain. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Um, my name is Plamedi. Um, and this was my episode on Chalkwood Carry Water. I'll see you guys next time.